This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Behind the Rose, where Bachelor Nation meets country music and everything in between. Blake Horseman is on special assignment. Now, your guest hosts, Elise and Eric. Hello, guys. Welcome, Elise. Happy to be here. Very big fan favorite and guest of the show. Now you are co-hosting. Thanks for filling in while Blake is doing whatever he's doing. I think he left because I accidentally brought a whole um, Dr. Doolittle farm to his house without knowing it. Literally. That's right. You guys are roommates now, right? Yeah, I moved in. I picked up a dog on the way thinking I'd have her for a couple of days. And now she is very much looking like she is going to have a whole litter. So I think Blake had to run away from between the cat and the dog and the puppies. I think he's had enough. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I read on heavy that he's on Big Brother. So, yeah, yeah that's I, rude. I, believe, I, I believe everything I read. So, yeah. Yeah, I cannot your little smoke screen about puppies. I'm not going to fall for that. Yeah. Hey, it's a two month process, yeah. apparently. He's, he's either Big Brother or the next Bachelor. One of the two, huh? You think that's it? Maybe that's why. I mean, over the past few weeks, you've been like, dude, I can't believe this guy's going to be the next Bachelor. Maybe he's not. Maybe it, <laughs> maybe that was all a smoke screen, and and Blake's going to jump in. Well, I didn't sign up for him the first time, and clearly I didn't sign up for him the second time if he is. <laughs> I just moved in instead. I skipped a couple steps. Yeah, it's been quite a process since you moved in. It's move in. Yeah, brought a pregnant dog home. And mm-hmm. Who knows who the father is? It could be Bruce, a, a wolf from the desert. Well, what I heard today in reading is that they can get pregnant by multiple dogs. So I might have. Oh, that'd be awesome. Well, we'll just I see. Have like thirty-two <laughs> coming out of that. Oh, I hope not. She's <laughs> I did not over sign your up whole for life. this. That's your whole Instagram now. We need well, to get you a Furbo deal. I feel like. <laughs> if I'm not sponsored by Furbo by the end of this week, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you move in. We go straight to Ben's wedding, pretty much. Ben, yeah, thanks. like a day after I got here, we were on a plane to Ben's wedding. A lot of tequila and whiskey were involved in that weekend and then came back and Blake and I take off to Florida. I redecorate his whole house while he's gone. (laughs) Come back to, yeah, you lampooned it. Now you got to get the lights outside the house done before he gets home. Uh, The Christmas lights? Yeah, you got to. I already ordered them. You got to lampoon the house and (laughs) put a Winnebago and an Eddie stand up. Out there. I might Shitter's get in trouble Clark. when he gets his electric bill and he comes back because I've already put up three Christmas trees. <laughs> so that's your that'll be your compensation for filling in. Oh, okay. He'll, he'll pay for that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and then how was Thanksgiving with the fam? Well, <clears throat> here's what I learned about Blake's family to all the girls that might be on his season of The Bachelor. You know, <laughs> if he is, um, <clears throat> be prepared. Because you will be peer pressured into more alcohol than you know what to do with. I had a two-day hangover 
They were all very nice. I can only remember half the conversations, um, but the night ended with a Disney sing-along. So I think we uh, did Thanksgiving pretty well. That was night one or night two? That was night two. Night one, I was oh. well-behaved. Uh, I am still on antibiotics. And apparently the day I got off antibiotics, I thought, all right, I'm giving in. And I think we poured the first drink mimosas at like seven in the morning. So it was a long day, long day. He's got a fun family, but they, yeah, they are aggressive. They love their screwball. <laughs> yep. We, we, that was involved. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom will forever be blocked from my stories during Blake's family holidays, because we also played a dirty game of charades and well, if you saw Blake's story, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, my parents are going to be blocked from my Instagram stories on Christmas if they all come over. So you're, what you're saying is Christmas, you're going to be going back to Alaska. Uh, probably not because I'll get stuck in Alaska if I go back. Um, and so I'll be here, but I just will very closely monitor my Instagram <laughs> so that my parents <laughs> can't see what dirty charades I think I had um, some sort of sex simulation that I had to do in front of Blake's entire family. So welcome to the the horsemen's. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to stay at San Diego this weekend, correct? I'm unfortunately not. I think getting Super here bummed about this, I am too. I was really looking forward, had like got an outfit for it, was ready to let loose, but um, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind since I got to Denver. We moved in, like you said, went to Ben's wedding. I ended up getting strep for that knocked me out for a week. So I need to prioritize a dog that might be going into labor any moment and, uh, working, you know, I don't, I don't make that Instagram money. So I actually have to go clock in somewhere. <laughs> well, we will miss you in San Diego. Love Grove's party is going to be insane. I have a feeling. I want a full recap. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of stories from everyone there. <laughs> I hear there's mistletoe hanging everywhere, trees, fireworks. I'm sad I'm going to be missing the mistletoe. I just moved to Menver and I haven't left the house since I moved here. <laughs> but you just signed up for Hinge today. I did. And you already matched with Chris Bukowski. I did not match with I'm Chris kidding. Bukowski. I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't start rumors. I did download it today because I realized that with potential puppies coming, I'm not going to leave the house for two months. So how else am I going to meet anybody? It is cuffman season and you are, I mean, you got three weeks alone. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eddie, I'm just looking at Eddie's face, just smiling away. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm just, I, 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 the big brother. You know, that's what I read. That's <laughs> what I read. How long? Or Big Bachelor. Hey, we actually do have a little bit of Blake on this show uh, because we recorded an interview last week with Tennille Arts, uh, who I believe Elise wasn't she on your season? Not only was she on my season, but she was the guest performer. And it was her first time on The Bachelor. She, I think, re- reappeared on Peter season two. And her, she's her career skyrocketed. Uh-huh. So I'm excited to listen to that. She is so good. Her song, uh, Somebody Like That, was a number one song. And for like an independent Canadian artist, that's huge. And so. can I say I heard it first live? <laughs> I guess you did, huh? Sure did. We'll be right back. Oh, 
so I guess we'll get we'll get into the episode, episode seven, hometowns, and how awesome is it to see an all POC final? <gasps> it's been a long time coming, right? Yes. What? How many seasons has this been? And this is. I mean, 17, 18, and this is the yeah, first time of the Bachelorette, right? And then, right. Well, I don't so, even know where we're at on Bachelor 25, 24, 26, I think, wow. with the upcoming Bachelor. But it is very exciting to see. It's also just from a personal standpoint, I saw a lot of redhead mamas. Yeah, you texted me that during the show, and I was like, I didn't even think about it. But yeah, you're right. Three out of the four were redheads. So that's insane. You would I, notice that. Of well, redheads knows redheads. So now as I'm much as I'm happy for the final four, I'm also happy to see some redhead mamas on the screen. Very <laughs> protective you. redhead mamas. That's I all I see say. on my screen now. Between you and Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. I took notes and I told you I was gonna take notes. I'm actually this. excited. Yeah, because I have I am the same way. I have five pages of notes from my, from the this episode. Then let's start page one, because I think we're about the same as far <laughs> yeah. as how many notes. And I'm coming into this a little weird because I was packing and moving and just wasn't following the Bachelorette along. So I didn't really get to know these guys all that much up until this point. So I feel like I'm getting the most, well, hometowns are always like the most vulnerable, right? Because mm-hmm. your family's included. So I'm getting them at like their raw. So whatever has happened before this, I might not be aware but I'm just judging them based on this episode. Yeah. I feel like it, the the final four, all the guys are, they're pretty solid. They're and great. They're, they're great guys. Like she did so well with this final four. Like it, even watching the show, it's like, I don't want to see any of them go, but obviously someone has to go. And I'm very mad about who goes, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, we will get into that. So we kind of start off, Tasha and Michelle kind of go for the walk and kind of go through what Tasha went through and um, how important it is with like families coming into it and everything. And um, who would you have showed up if you wouldn't have self-eliminated and gotten to that point? Well, here's the funny thing. That was a huge part of why I left the show is because my parents did not want to be involved in this. They didn't want me to be involved in this. Mm -hmm. And not that we have anything to hide. They're just private people live in Alaska and are like, what the hell is this reality show nonsense about? However, my dad and I are incredibly close and he's who I go to for guy advice. So I feel like if I could in some way, or let's be honest, the producers in some way could have convinced him to be on, he would end up with his own reality show because he would have made some, you know, good, like Tasha, the microwave, like her dad, that microwave comment, that would have been my dad. He would have put some uh, honesty behind the situation. Yeah. What would you have done as your hometown, like kind of date or day? I'm from Alaska. I would have taken yeah. him on my dad's boat and made him fish. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it'd have to be either fishing or maybe hunting, right? Well, I'm not. My dad hunts. I'm not huge on that. That wasn't something I grew up doing necessarily, but I don't even think I would do like the day portion, night portion. I would just like cut right to it and put him on my dad's boat with my family and be like, this is our day and see how he reacts to that experience. Yeah. It's got, yeah, I, that's a bucket list of mine to go to Alaska. I want to go there so bad. I want to see the Northern lights at some point. Well, then we'll go in in the winter time. <laughs> All right. Well, 
that we're we're there now. So let's go. Perfect. Uh, but, yeah. So we start off with, I guess, Brandon. Sorry, go ahead. No. The, okay. The only thing I noticed coming from someone who hasn't watched all the episodes mm-hmm. is she is so dramatically different depending on the guy that she's with. And to me, Brandon, his hometown date highlighted this. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely, she, she acclimates to every situation with every guy. Like she is, she has been a very good bachelorette this year. I believe it. She's kind of a chameleon, but not in a bad way. She just, not at all. Asserts herself into the situation and plays the role that, I would think that she feels comfortable with and with the partner that she's on a date with. Yeah. And I think that probably comes from being like all the stuff she has to deal with, with being a teacher. Like she's super understanding to uh, just to every situation that there is with every guy, every family, like she's always on and she says the right thing every time. Which which could be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. True. Very true. Yeah, so we kind of start off with yeah, Brandon's hometown uh, in skateboarding, and yeah, he does not really succeed here. <laughs> <laughs> I have never related to something on The Bachelor more because I feel like I would do the exact same thing, like pick something that I could kind of show off and like talk game about, and then as soon as the, either the cameras were on or someone that I liked was around, I would fail miserably. So I actually enjoyed watching him fail just because it was very very relatable and he didn't act you know cocky about it he was just like oh god i'm an idiot (laughs) this is so embarrassing horrible idea going to a skate park here (laughs) it was a flop but the other thing i noticed about him was he has much more of a youthful energy which isn't a negative thing i'm not calling Mm -hmm. him immature but he just seems like giddy to be in any situation that he's in, even if he's failing dramatically at it. Yeah. Blake, he, so Brandon's been like my kind of sleeper pick from day one. Like Mm -hmm. I always said, he's going to be like top five and Blake has always, he thought that he was so cringeworthy, like, and, but Blake has started coming around to him the last like two episodes or so. So what, yeah. What are your takes on, on Brandon after seeing him? obviously being playful, youthful, and just having fun. I think he's really sweet. And I think he's really genuine. I, again, I'm coming in without knowing a whole lot of his backstory that you get to learn on like one-on-ones, but the conversation, especially like in the night portion with his dad, it just seemed very surface level between his dad and Michelle. And it felt kind of like, maybe we aren't breaking through the surface. It's kind of that puppy love is what I felt like I was watching, which is endearing Mm -hmm. to watch, but not necessarily something that can translate into a public relationship after the show. So why I found him enjoyable to watch, and I think he's incredibly sincere. I, uh, my guess is that he won't be, he'll be the next one to get the boot. Yeah. See, I can, I can kind of see that. As well, I, I mean, I got to stick with him. I think he'll be final too, just because he's been kind of there from since day one for me. But yeah, I, I do see that. I, I do see deeper connections with the other two at this point. But yeah, like you, you mentioned uh, Michelle and his pops' conversation. Like, and it, yeah, like you said, you haven't really seen a lot of the the previous episodes, but I could definitely see their families getting along. 
Oh, for sure. And, and that that is such a big thing for Michelle. So I think that might put him a little over the top, maybe over Joe, in my opinion. Ooh. Um, we and we'll get into that. On that we'll, one. Get in, we'll get into that when we get to Joe's uh, portion of the hometowns. Uh, so yeah, so now I guess we go on to Rodney. I love Rodney's mom. I love Rodney. <laughs> I love Rodney as well. He's kind of like he. There was a lot of underdog talk, but he has kind of been like the dark horse underdog of this season, where he just kind of came out of nowhere. But he is such a fun-loving. Has do you want to talk about a guy who has fun in any situation? Well, and even Michelle commented on it. Like if you get stuck at an airport and mm-hmm. your flight's delayed, like who's going to make you laugh and like make the best out of situation? He will. And when she said that, I a hundred percent believed it. Yeah. Like I, I want to go on vacation with a guy. Rodney, call me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. Well, you sign those DMs now. <laughs> That's one guy we'll definitely see on the beach next summer. Hopefully. I would love to see more of him. I thought, it's hard to say this because, again, I haven't watched all the episodes, but I thought that they missed a good point that Michelle was pointing out to herself during the episode. Like, they clearly just have so much fun together. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went apple picking, made a joke about his, like, night one intro. Yeah. And he's just fun to be around, but he still emotes and like talks about his emotions very comfortably, but can bring it back and make this crazy situation that they're in something that feels almost lighthearted for the viewer. And I imagine for her in that situation as well. Yeah. I love that they, that it, it has been a fun play on the Apple stuff this whole season between them. Cause he came out dressed like an apple out of the limo. Uh, during the season, like she did a blindfold taste test with him and he couldn't name one apple, like, <laughs> di- like different kind of apple. Now they're apple picking. And yeah, they have such a fun, unique dynamic. That's for sure. What did, what was it? What did he call the, uh, the apple picking that they were doing? I don't know. The only thing I wrote down, well, there was the first kiss was a type of apple yeah. that's just mm-hmm. in Minnesota and that's what they were going for. But I was laughing so hard, which the show very rarely makes me do because Michelle is so quick that when she was blindfolded and I always find that a little awkward, but when she was blindfolded doing the apple taste test and then he kissed her, she's like, well, that's not a Granny Smith. And I was like, <laughs> she has good little one liners. Like she's very quick. Yeah. And one one thing that she had mentioned or talked about with Rodney earlier in the season was that her she's always seen her parents as being best friends mm-hmm. first and laughing with each other and just such a playful thing and i that's what she saw in rodney and that yep yeah, yeah really sad it, to see yes. him exit tonight <laughs> i think his mom though do you agree it was she, like the star of this date oh yeah his yeah, she got straight to the nitty gritty on the questions. Well, I wrote down, she said, outside of this world, is he someone that you could share a life with? And so mm-hmm. often I think you see parents on the show kind of, I mean, they're put into such a weird situation, right? There's yeah. lights, cameras, they don't have weeks of getting used to this. And she went right to the point of the matter of what do you see outside of this like moment in time that would make mm-hmm. your relationship work? Mm-hmm. 
And that was, I mean, she just asked the best questions. Yeah. As well as like pointing out, like he has one to seek and she has four. So like obviously questioning where Rodney's mind is at and then just being caught up kind of in the moment and the situation. Well, and from a girl's point of view, there was something that about how he answered his questions with his parents that was so different from the other contestants because a lot of them said kind of blanket phrases and we'll go into like Nate later and his non-answers to everything. But he specifically gave qualities about Michelle that had nothing to do with the show. He said she was strong, independent. She was really funny. She was kind, caring. And these are things that he wanted in a partner. And I don't feel like any of the other guys pointed out actual things about her personality that really made him like made them drawn to her. It was more like, I'm, I'm falling for her. Just trust me. And whereas he's like kind of gave the reassurance of I've gotten to know this girl and here's what I like about her. And he was in my notes, he was the only one that was able to do that. Yeah. hundred percent. This is probably the moms on the, on these hometowns, like for the history that I've been watching the show is my favorite part. Cause we're all, all guys are mama's boys to some degree. And, sure. And, are, and, yeah. and to, just to see like the rawness and the realness of the moms. And like when the moms are grilling the girl or like when you're having that moment with your mom and just breaking down and that's just such a tearjerker to me. Yeah. I might've gotten a little choked up last night. <laughs> yeah. I definitely did a couple of times and uh, especially like, and yeah, I'm now I'm feel like Blake here. I'm skipping ahead, especially during like Nate and his dad's moment. Oh, well, <laughs> that broke me. <laughs> we'll yeah, yeah, Hunter. Yeah, that that was that was intense. That was the greatest moment of the show. That might be one of the greatest moments in the of history the show of the show. Period. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, the only recap synopsis I have of Rodney is I love him. Why isn't he the Bachelor? I'm very mad! Exclamation! Exclamation! <laughs> <laughs> he would have been able to carry a season like yeah like the clayton thing and i'm sure we'll get into this in the previews but yeah i still don't understand that one even andrew from last season like just rodney or andrew let's go oh even though we already know it's blake so yeah, kind well, of gave that one up that's true sorry to be the spoiler <laughs> right i <laughs> might be our first ever spoiler <laughs> Oh uh, goodness. So then yeah, so now we move on to uh Minnesota Joe. That I love their connection. I love this date. He, she took him to her high school last last episode. Now mm-hmm. he returns it. And like being from the same town, same city, that's really awesome. And they share that, the basketball and the, this prom date was incredible. It was. The only thing I will have to say is I'm I lived in Fargo, North Dakota, so I understand kind of that Midwest Minnesota dynamic. And I think that there's a certain level of comfort that comes along with that. That is easy. Like there's so much about each other that is so in line, right? They have the same backstories with sports and where they came from, which could work for a relationship, but this man, and we'll just go into it, is not very expressive. No, and you see where he got it from. His dad didn't say one word. I like, wrote he, awkward. He asked, yeah, he, <laughs> Joe even asked his dad at one point, you got anything else to ask? And, no. 
Well, even the fact that, you know, they cut these down so much to fit like the filming time. Mm -hmm. And that's all they got from that conversation was him going, so dad, anything? You can definitely tell where maybe his family is not so open with their emotions. So it gives you a little backstory, but yet I don't know anything about him besides he had a basketball injury and is from Minnesota. Yeah. Even his brother didn't speak. His brother's wife spoke the whole, like mom and sister-in-law. Yeah. She, she put her to the, like them to the test. Well, and I will say, I, I talked about this at the beginning of Michelle kind of fits the situation wherever she's at. And in this situation, very much with Joe, she had to take charge. And I can see that replicated through the sister-in-law where they're mm-hmm. almost like the voice box yeah. for the men in the family. And I wonder how long she would be comfortable in that role. Yeah. And I think going back to like what I had said earlier, where I think why I think I'd have Brandon over Joe is because family is such a big importance to Michelle mm-hmm. and seeing how closed off like Joe's family is like, I don't see Michelle's or her family, like holidays, things moving forward, like yeah, communication. Or, <laughs> he, yeah. I like Joe a lot. I get why he's here. I just don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's anything beyond what they find so similar in their backstory. That's going to make this work. Yeah. Like they're like how you said, Brandon was like puppy lovish. Like this is kind of like high school sweetheart ish. Very much. So it's like, they've already gone through all of that stuff together. They have that common bond, but then how do you build on that after, after all of this? Yeah, because yeah, he the, the communication, I just don't see it there with him at all. Like it's like pulling teeth to get him to speak. And it could, I mean, you have to count the fact that there's cameras around, but at this stage in the game, you would think he'd be a little bit more expressive. Yeah. And he kept praising himself for him and me, kept praising themselves for like how much they were being open. And yet I watched it and went, I don't know anything about this boy. Yeah. I feel, I feel, yeah. Well, we're, we're moving on to Nate pretty much here. So I feel like Nate's been pretty open in there this whole season. Like Michelle walks into a room. He lights up more than any of these guys. I feel like, like he's all about this girl or this woman. And I believe it. And it was really weird seeing like his dad kind of like toss him or his stepdad kind of throw him under the bus. <laughs> Not just the stepdad. No, yeah, even the mom. Yeah, the mom was questioning it as well. But I think, I mean, their date was so cute. Like, we talked about Joe's prom date, but, like, Nate's date was very much both of them doing an activity. And I like the hometown dates where it feels like something they would actually do in Mm -hmm. real life. Like, you're not going to throw someone, you know, and have producers help you throw a prom every day. Yeah. But to get a glimpse in as much as COVID allows you to get a glimpse of like, what do they do on a day and activity? Like I want to go paddle boarding. And Which you he said tell, he does three times a week in Austin. Well, that's how he gets and, his abs. <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah, different doing six, this with the girl, isn't it? <laughs> he's, he's six foot nine and can't hoop. So. Oh, well, I missed that part, but he can paddleboard. Uh, he can do. <laughs> and he he's, looks he's, good just standing there, so yeah, we'll let him be. He's got great <laughs> core strength. <laughs> but I do like the dates where you actually see 
what life could be like beyond this show, like a normal Saturday or Sunday afternoon together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going to a grocery store, Nate, like real life. Yeah. I think Nate provided that and they yeah. were so comfortable and their chemistry is like palpable. Yeah. And it's, it's been like that since day one. I mean, he, he was the first out of the limo, got first impression rose and the first one-on-one, like he had the hat trick that whole first episode. He got every award. Well, he's, he's getting my awards. And, he, <laughs> and I, I mean, I think he's the winner of this season. Like, I just don't see it with anyone else. On their, that level. their chemistry is, is wild. It's yeah. very easy to see, but and, she, and she's pretty shook by what his parents spoke on and she should, but I'm glad she didn't like eliminate him because of that. Like, let's give him one more week. And cause like next week it's going to get real, mm-hmm. real quick. But, I mean, let's talk about that. So he was saying that he's never brought a girl home. He's mm-hmm. never talked about his emotions. And while his date was so beautiful, it was not, Michelle focused, right? It was focused on him and his stepdad, which we both said, like, I I truly like a tear came down, which doesn't happen on this show very often. Yeah. But same. that was so beautiful that like while he didn't say I love you to Michelle, he said it to his stepdad for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that broke me. But yet they all came back and said, This is his first, you know, time he's brought a girl around and he might run. Hearing that as the bachelorette, I would be terrified. Yeah. If that was like my first pick. And I don't really understand when people say like, oh, they've never been in love before. That's a red flag. I understand to some degree, but you still have life experience with dating, you know, or what you want by some degree. But when they said to her, like, I don't want you to get your heart broken, that he might get to the end of this and then panic that would be something I would have to stew over for sure. Yeah. And I do, I agree with you completely on that. It's, do you, do you find that to be like completely weird? Like a man not bringing a woman home to meet parents. I I wonder, I don't know how old Nate is off the top of my head, but I wrote down he's 27. By the time 27 comes around. I have a weird look at that because I'm from Alaska. I can't bring someone home very easily. So to me, like bringing home someone, yes, it holds importance, but it it doesn't hold like the weight where I could just like drive home a couple hours and introduce. So I don't personally hold that to a lot of weight. However, not having, I feel like my past relationships have taught me what I don't want in a partner and what I need. And the fact that he seemingly has not had very many serious relationships might not give him the more adult distinction of what do I need in a relationship moving forward? And what am I seeking out in a partner? That would be a bigger worry to me than, oh, he hasn't brought anyone home. That I could almost take as a compliment. Yeah. But I feel like heartbreak teaches you a lot. And if you haven't had that, you might not know what to look for in the next person. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, this is very different uh, with you here. <laughs> from what all well, these one, different it's probably more it's long-winded. Like, <laughs> not only long-winded, I feel like I'm the one jumping ahead and you're bring, you're reeling me back in half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to, to leading this. What's that dance. TikTok? Like she knew the assignment? <laughs> yeah, right. 
I just aged myself because I think she it's she understood the assignment. Yeah, so yeah. whoops. <laughs> I believe it's on Hannah Brown's story right now, actually. Wow, well, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So now we, yeah, I guess after all all that being said, we get to the rose ceremony. And you're you're, you're maybe your next ex-boyfriend, Robin. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I just I was when I watched it, I knew he was going home. They did the interviews with the three other guys and then put him like right before she did the last rose. And like, as a viewer of the show, I'm like, Oh, oh, that's a warning bell. And then he got sent home. He handled it with just as much class as I would have expected him to. And I just kept screaming. Why isn't he the bachelor? Because not only was he funny and comfortable in front of cameras, but he's cute. His smile is like, sign me up. I'm so <laughs> mad. I'm really mad. He should totally be the bachelor over Clayton because we saw absolutely nothing of him this whole year. No. And, and, and for we've me, seen Rodney progress so much. Well, and this man knows how to talk about his emotions. And I feel like you need a lead who sometimes has to carry the contestants Mm -hmm. in like these awkward conversations when it's in front of cameras. And he is so comfortable spilling his guts, talking to his family, talking to Michelle. And yet we get Clayton, who I did see him just roaring like a Viking. And he could be a really great guy, but my man Rodney, I want to see him on my screen. Well, I don't think we're, we've seen the last of him. That's for sure. He will definitely be down on that beach. Well, someone put in a good word. I do need a stepdad for these puppies. <laughs> yeah, you've got a flock coming. <laughs> oh. uh, so yeah, so we have Joe, Brandon, and Nate left. Who's your final two? Obviously, it's Nate in the bag. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any competition there. The only thing I'm going to suspect is there's going to be there's going to be a shift. And I think the amount of time they focused on and this is maybe me just being a little bit of a conspiracy person, but the amount of time they focused on Nate potentially being the one to leave, I think we're going to see a walkout from somebody else. Hmm. And my guess is it's going to be Joe. You think Joe's is going to leave, huh? I have no idea because, again, I've only watched a couple episodes, but my gut is telling me the amount of focus they've put on this Nate thing is a deterrent from someone else is going to shock us. I mean, I could see that because I'm Brandon's very present, like now. Oh, like he's, he's not confident. Leaving. No, I mean, he's very confident. He won, like, I think three or four the group, group date dates, roses. Right? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, he he's not going anywhere. He's in it till the end. Like he's he's like, I'm going to fantasy suites. This is my non-spoiled bias that I think Joe's gonna shake stuff up. That'll be I, I just don't see that. Like, because he just doesn't speak. Like, what's he gonna do? Like, only thing he's gonna do is walk away. I know. I don't what's, what? I don't know. I'm what's, just guessing. What? I like to throw out my like crazy ideas, <laughs> but as someone who's left the show. <laughs> and has no context on other people's emotions in this show. I'm going to put my foot down and say, I think Joe, he might not leave, but he's going to throw a wrench into the last couple of weeks. Yeah. That's interesting. That's my women's intuition. All right. Well, we'll, we'll we will see in two weeks because next week we go into the men's tell all. 
And it looks like it's pretty drama filled a little bit. They didn't really show much from the actual tell all, did they? They just showed Uh, clips. They showed a little clips of like guy, the guys barking. Uh, I can't remember some of the guys early on that like had some beef together. And one guy caused a lot of drama in the, like the first, I think the second or third episode. Miami boy with the eyebrow. Well that, yeah. And then also him. Um, Yeah. Martin. Martin. Who Martin also took a, a very low blow at Rodney on his Instagram last week after he got eliminated. What did he say? I'm going to message him right um, now about it. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and look, but it pretty much was like kind of like that Rodney was kind of like fake, fake Mr. Nice Guy kind of a thing. Oh, I don't believe it. Well, I don't either because Rodney just seems like just an outstanding human being. His word on his posts were, uh, P.S. I don't pretend or hope for everyone to like me. I'm not at Rodney Matthews. That's called deflection and immaturity. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll hear Rodney and him have some words next week, hopefully. Oh, yeah, because he'll be at the mental since he's not The Bachelor. Wrong choice, yes. ABC. Not that I, we- <laughs> I don't get to produce the show, but if I did... <laughs> And we get a and we get a little glimpse into Clayton season premiering January third, which feels like I'm watching Colton season. <laughs> They're identical. Does anyone else not see it? I mean, they kind of have the almost like that same kind of personality, right? Same personality, very similar looks, same background to some degree. Well, to some degree, with football is what I'm referring to. <laughs> um, and this is no shade to Colton; they just really it. I felt, I was like, oh, when am I going to pop up on screen? <laughs> it felt like I was watching a teaser for Colton season. It also seems like there's a ton more drama amongst the women. Well, we're pretty good at that. Add right? late nights and a little tequila and we, we show up. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, <laughs> this was, this was fun. Well, thanks for letting me step in. We'll be back next week to break down the men's tell-all. Coming up next is our conversation with Tennille Arts. Neil Arts. Thanks for coming on, Neil. Hey, thanks for having me. First timer. Yeah, first time. We've never had you on before, so really excited. What's the weirdest, like how people have pronounced your name? Like what's the weirdest? Oh, I was God. like, oh, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've gotten like Tenil, Tenil, like, I mean, people <laughs> just make it up. But I'm like, anybody who knows like 70s music, I was named after Captain and Tenil. So majority of like older people know how to <laughs> Same. Oh, okay. See, I honestly didn't know that. Okay. So I've, Eric, have you, have you met her before? I believe once. I can't remember. You, I think you did a little showcase here in Denver. Yeah, I think so. I think we've I just met. can't remember oh, okay. where, where it was. I think, was it Charlie Hogue? I think he was filling in maybe as your yep. TM. Yeah. I think I was super sick. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't know yeah. if you would have known that, but, um, the one time I was in Denver with, with Charlie, I was like deathly ill. <laughs> yeah. And I believe so. you told me that cause we had dinner prior to your show and then we walked yeah. over 
Wow, look at that. You've had dinner with her. I remember the first time. No, I didn't have dinner with her. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't that lucky. Well, I'm like, wow, look at you. She's just... way out of my league. Well Jesus played, Christ. well played, Eric. Well so, played, Eric. So the first time I met Tennille was in San Diego. You guys were out there for that Santa Claus thing. Yeah. And Oh, the Santa call. We were oh. doing a club appearance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you guys were doing a club thing out there. I didn't even know. So the label had flown some people out to see her, and she played at a uh, club. Club, did a great show, by the way. <laughs> and uh, they had a bus to take us back to the hotel, to the Coronado, I believe is where we stayed. And <laughs> so Tennille is just looking amazing. She's just played a show. She's got her boots on and she's got this nice little outfit. I'm in the front seat of the bus and the seat's empty. And she walks in and she gives me a big smile. She's like, hi, is anybody sitting there? And I said, no. And she said, awesome and put her guitar down and then went and sat somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my That's my life. I was like, well, well, it sure is. And I kind of scoot over and she <laughs> plants the guitar there and says, thank you. And then goes back and sits somewhere else. That so. is a good story. Yeah. <laughs> Message received. This is a guitar. Guitar gets the first seat though. I mean, <laughs> That's a great story actually. That's so cool. So yeah, so today I want, we want to get to know you a little bit because like I said, we haven't had you on before. So you're from Canada, is that right? Yeah, it is. Where exactly in Canada? Um, I'm from a small town called Weyburn, Saskatchewan. So it's pretty close to the U.S. border. Um, but yeah, it's like a small town, 10,000 people. And um, then I, we have a wheat farm just outside of the small town. So Okay. All right, cool. It's yeah. funny because I think when people think of Canada, I don't necessarily think it they think of like country music, you know, but I'm sure like your town was a lot more country than a lot of the country music artists come from, you know what I mean? Down here in the States. Oh yeah. There's a ton of country music up there. I mean, there's a, I like to kind of compare Canadian country music to like Texas. Like it's kind of got its own thing. Um, and yeah, Canada really has its own like country music community. And also I think like a lot of major artists don't realize like how much people love country music up there because they always come up to shows and I think they expect like, you know, when they play their show, it's not going to be like a huge turnout or they're going to be like super boring or something. And then, I mean, we just don't get many concerts. So it's always just like absolutely crazy. The fans are nuts. And um, I think everybody loves coming up to, to play Canada because it's really a good time. So with that being said, you compared it to Texas country. So yeah, Red Dirt, it's like once you get out of Texas country, you're a sellout almost, like, as they say. So how how difficult or how big was that transition going from Canadian country to breaking through to the American country world? So when I came to Nashville for the first time, I was 15 years old um, and I really didn't have anything um, going on in the Canadian country music world. Like for me, both things kind of started happening at the same time. Like I really I moved to Nashville when I turned 21 and I just was like, I'm going to start here because I know that this is like where the, the songwriters are. And in Canada, there's really no like hub for country music. So I was like, if I'm going to go anywhere, you know, I'm not going to go to Toronto. I'm not going to go to Vancouver. I might as well like go where country music is. So, you know, just following Shania's career, she kind of did the same thing. You know, she went straight to Nashville and that was you know, besides like Terry Clark and a few others that kind of did that same thing, they all got their start in Nashville first. And so I was just kind of like looking at that and thinking, you know, I haven't really seen a Canadian artist be in Canada and like break out. So I just, you know, kind of followed in their footsteps and really wanted to be 
in Nashville and kind of start there. So I never really had like a major transition. I never had like a major career in, in Canada before I moved. Um, it was just kind of like all happening at one time. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of went for it, I guess, two feet in kind of thing, huh? You were like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to, you know, the, the glory land, uh, down yeah. there. So, so you've been there since you were 15. That was the first time you went. Um, 2009 was my first trip when I was 15 and I would go for it like two weeks at a time and then, you know, do all my schoolwork and everything, um, over Skype and stuff like that. Uh, and then it was probably almost every month I would be gone for, for two weeks at a time. Wow. And then I, I couldn't get a visa because you have to have like a publishing deal or, um, a, a you know, major label deal or, or something like that. So when I graduated high school, I basically like lived in my parents' basement, like didn't want to pay rent anywhere. I was just saving up to to be able to move and then finally got offered that publishing deal at 21. So that's when I like officially made the move. So when did you start playing music and when was it kind of like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Like I won't want to do anything else but play music and write music. When did that kind of happen for you? I mean, I was really young when it was like pretty obvious that I loved performing and um I loved singing. I was always making up songs and, you know, I tell this story really often, but it's really what happened. Um, I would always be singing everywhere. And one day I was like belting out a Shania song in my backyard, like little eight-year-old me and my neighbor over the fence, like heard me singing and came over and told my mom that she thought I had a great voice and that maybe we should try to pursue that and see what could happen. And when my mom asked me if I wanted to be in voice lessons, I was like, yes. <laughs> so thankfully my mom like ran with it. And pretty much from that first voice lesson, like I can remember just coming home and practicing immediately. And I was just like, this is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, so I was, I was very young, but as far as like thinking about Nashville, I was probably 13, 14 years old when I started uh, writing for the first time. And that was when I was like, my sights were on Nashville because that's where the songwriters are. And that's where I want to be. You made the right decision. Your mom, <laughs> you know, everybody involved made the right decision uh, uh, yeah, because you were absolutely crushing it. And it, it's been fun to watch. And I love your music. I kind of want to go back to your um, songwriting. Like, what's your process? I kind of, I love listening to different people's processes and how they kind of go about writing a song. So what exactly is your process? I mean, for me, if I'm like right in the middle of, of a feeling or whatever, I will sit down and pretty much write an entire song, like not even knowing like what the title is going to be or anything, just like sit down and write the whole song. Um, and then I'll pick it apart uh, and maybe take it into a writing session and like work on it with somebody else. Um, but if I'm not like immediately experiencing that thing and if I'm just writing for a project and you know, have a bunch of titles floating around and different ideas. Um, I usually go into a writing session with kind of like my title and what I want to talk about. And then I just have incredible co-writers that I basically just talk it out. Like they'll be like, okay, tell us what you want this to be about. And I'll just like go off and, and talk about all the things and all the feelings and everything. And um, I have really great people around me that can kind of like pick at those little those little important details that I might, you know, brush over and yeah, it's kind of different every time. I love, um, melodies. I feel like that's kind of something that has always been a strong part of my writing for me. I'm always like, how can I match this melody with the feeling of the song? You know, it, to me, if it's like an angsty song, like that melody has to have that angst to it. Um, so yeah, I'm always kind of, 
like thinking about it, but also not taking it too seriously. I think that, you know, the best songs just come straight out. You know, you don't have to pick them apart too much. I feel like I'm, I could be completely wrong because I've never really written a song, but I feel like the melody is usually the hardest part. And you're saying, is, is that true? And you're saying that's kind of what, what you're a strongest, strongest at? Don't lie. You have though, Blake. <laughs> you wrote one with Wayne Newton. I have, but you guys, I would never, ever, ever <laughs> let anybody know. Listen to them or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think the the melody is like, I'll just play around with it until I feel like it's the right feeling for the lyrics. So I have some really great mentors in, in that space. Um, one of my co-writers, Allison Veltz, I think is like one of the best um, people at melodies. And so I really just kind of, I think about her now when I'm, when I'm writing with other people, because I'm like, she's so freaking talented. And yeah, I think the the melody is, is sometimes almost even more important than the words that you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of yeah. kind of how I was feeling. And obviously, like I said, I mean, you're killing it right now. Um, something like that hit number one. Uh, it was I love this song, you know, even before I knew exactly, you know, sometimes you listen to it on the radio and you're like, who is that? It was like, that was a good <laughs> song, you know? So what was your process with writing that song? Cause obviously, you know, really connected with y'all and related with the audience. Yeah. I mean, this was a song that I wrote, um, with Allison Bells Cruz and Alex Klein. And, um, I had just gone through a breakup, like probably the biggest one of, of my life so far. And I was like, I've written so many breakup songs about this. Like, I'm so over it. I don't want to write anything else. I'm over the relationship. Like I need to move on and write something hopeful about looking for love. And Allison had just gotten married and she has like this incredible love story. And so I was like, man, what's that like? Like, what were you looking for? And, you know, she was like, you just can't settle. You you just really got to, you know, go for what you want. And and try to make it last. Like, just because you have, it doesn't mean you can just like sit back and be like, okay, you know, we're, we're good. Um, you have to fight for it. You have to make it something, um, really special. And so that's what we talked about. You know, we talked about our parents, our grandparents, just like these awesome relationships that we looked up to. And that's where this song came from. You know, there's, there's tons of different ways that people find love, but it's, it's all about what you do after (laughs) finding that perfect person to make it last. I love that because so many people write, you know, love stories or heartbreak or whatever. You know, Taylor Swift just had a whole damn, whole damn <laughs> album on heartbreak and everything. So it's pretty cool. Like people, I don't think people write enough about that in between there. And so I, that's why I think a lot of people did relate to this song. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously your new album just dropped, Girl to Girl. A lot of great songs on this album. When you put all these songs together, did you have kind of like a I don't know, a message from for the album as a whole or was kind of each song individually something special to you? So when I started writing this album, I really didn't know what it was going to be. Like, I, I was like, I don't have anything to write about. I'm literally sitting at home writing over Zoom. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> um, and all of my, you know, big plans on the road all got canceled. And I was kind of in like a dark place just as far as like my career. Like I really just didn't know what was going to happen. And this was before somebody like that had success and all that. Um, so I just remember like starting to write for this album and I was like, I don't have anything to write about. Like I'm not even living life right now. I'm sitting in my apartment. And then I started thinking about like the fact that there were a lot of things that I hadn't written about yet. Like there were things in my past that you know, maybe a breakup that I feel like I didn't really have closure from or 
you know, things as far as some of my earliest memories being a child, like there were just a lot of things that I hadn't touched on yet. And I was like, after we wrote about five songs, I remember thinking, these are songs that I wish I had when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. Like, I really think that these would have helped me uh, just feel like I wasn't so alone in what I was going through. So then at that point, I was like, I'm going to put on, you know, the big sister hat and I'm just going to write all of these songs like I'm giving advice to my younger sister. And, you know, whether those people are younger than me, my age or older, it's like we've all kind of been through the same things. And so I touched on topics like, you know, growing up in a a broken home, um, you know, being bullied, um, body image, um, breaking up with your high school boyfriend. Like I literally went through everything I could think of and put it all into this album. So it really is a message from girl to girl, me to me to everybody that listens to the album. (laughs) Girl to girl. Now it all makes sense. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. That's awesome. The big sister role. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's really cool to be able to get vulnerable because sometimes I think a lot of people struggle with, with talking about that. Um, and you know, putting into a song usually does eventually, you know, it kind of helps makes it a little easier when you sing about something. So it's pretty cool that you're able to be vulnerable enough to basically make a whole album about, um, your struggles as you're a child. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, it, it really is like something that I think was so cool about writing this album was the fact that I feel like I actually was more vulnerable because I was behind a screen. Like I was sitting at home, you know, in my pajamas, most of the time, like no makeup, I just like really being me. And it was really special to like, write from that place, not trying to impress anybody. And, you know, you talk about being vulnerable. One of my favorite songs on the album is called Grown Old Young. And it, it talks about just things that make people feel like they had to grow up a little bit faster. And it was so cool, because I actually wrote that song with with two other men. And I thought, how awesome is it that they're like sitting here sharing their lives with me? Like, this is really awesome. And we talked a lot about mental health and men's mental health and how important it is to talk about things because the more you talk about it, you know, the easier it is, you feel less alone and it kind of opens up this entire new world. Um, So that's really what I was trying to do with that song. It's like, it's not easy to talk about it. And a lot of people, you know, just shove it under the rug. It's fine, you know, um, but it's so important to talk about those things and make it a real like topic of conversation. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge uh, mental health advocate and everything in therapy. And uh, I think music is a form of therapy, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've always, I've said this in past uh, episodes before, like, I can't imagine what writing music, how therapeutic that would be. I mean, that'd be something incredible. And I love the fact you're, you know, you talked about the screen before, but between you and, you know, the other writers and everything. And even, so I, you know, I do therapy and everything and I do it now over zoom with my therapist. Mm -hmm. And now I see you're right. Like, I feel the same way. I'm like, I feel like I'm able to able to open up even more and be even more vulnerable because I'm not actually in the room. And it's something I feel like we would have never thought of. Like you, more of the time, you would have been in the same room as those writers, right? Most of the time. And I would have been in the same room as my therapist. So it's kind of crazy how COVID has now completely changed even the way now music is written, you know, in a way. Yeah. I mean, before COVID, it was like, if somebody asked you to do like a Skype, right? Or something, you were like, um, absolutely not. Like, yeah. let me know when you're in town. Like, this yeah. is not. Like how it. unprofessional, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's so weird. We were in that mindset. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's pretty awesome though, how full circle, everything's coming, everything. So before we let you go real quick, I always like answer, asking this question. Um, well, two questions actually. First, 
What was the like big moment for you where it was like, oh my God, I can do this. You know what I mean? Or did you ever, did you always think that when you're like 15, you're like, I'm going to crush, like I'm going to be in Nashville. Or was there like a moment uh, in your career where you're like, oh my gosh, like I can, can succeed doing this? Um, you know, I think it really was the number one, like that was something that, you know, we broke records with. And it was just one of those things that growing up, I know how like slim that chances that I was going to have that happen in my career. And, you know, it, it actually happening was just like, oh, wow, like this is something that I could really do. You know, if, if things continue on the same path, like this could actually be my career and I could be one of those few people that gets to do this for the rest of their life. Um, so that was really special for me. And also getting to perform on the Grand Ole Opry and having my entire family come down, like that was one of those things that you dream about. And to walk out on that stage and be a part of country music like they're just putting their arms around you saying you're welcome into this you know historical circle and historical building uh it's just really special and that's something that you know those two things are like things that nobody can ever take away from me so it's really special <laughs> really cool gosh i got goosebumps from that grand Ole story a little bit dang that's such that's such a cool feeling i'm sure and then one last question so you know you're still very young and you have a huge career ahead of you what, you know, moving forward, what, you know, kind of do you want your career to look like? Like, as far as like, what do you want the audience to feel when they listen to your music, they come to your shows? Um, yeah. What do you want your career to kind of look like? Your, your legacy to be. Yeah. Your legacy. Yeah. I mean, I want people to feel seen. I think that's all I, I ever wanted growing up and all I, I still want and what I strive towards. It's like, if you can make people feel like they matter, um, I think that just that's above everything else. That's, that's why I write music. And when people come up to me at my shows and are like bawling their eyes out saying that my music saved their life, like that is something that is so, so special and something that I will never take for granted. That's what I want to, I want people to feel. And when they come to my shows, you know, I want them to have a good time. I want them to have a good cry if they need it, you know, whatever it is. Um, I just want them to, to feel welcome and feel seen. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And before we get out of here, let's give you a chance to, to plug a couple tours you have coming at the beginning of the year. January, the big one with Dirks, the uh, was a Beers on Me tour. Yeah. Um, January is across Canada with Dirks Bentley. And um, I haven't played in Canada in like two and a half years. So I'm oh, really excited. I, I haven't like literally have not played um, somebody like that in, in Canada. So wow. uh, really excited for that tour. And then uh, with Scotty, Scotty's incredible. You know, every time I get to do a show with him, it's, it's so awesome. His fans are, are like diehard fans. So, uh, it's always a good time and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure. Yes. Wow. You haven't played it in, in Canada yet. That's going to be yeah. incredible. That's going to be a cool feeling. Do you know when your first, your first stop in Canada is? Um, I know we start in Ontario. I think it's London, Ontario, and it's like January 6th or 7th, I think. So yeah. January 6th. Dang. That's yeah. a, Right when the new year starts. Damn, it's going to be a big year for you. I can feel it, Tenille. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, everybody go check out Tenille. Go check out um, her new album, Girl to Girl. And yeah, a lot to come from her, we have a feeling. So we'll be, we'll be watching for sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Behind the Rose is recorded live at the world-famous Grizzly Rose or wherever we happen to be. 
Be sure to go check out our Instagram at Behind the Rose Podcast and follow us so you always know when we drop a new episode and give us all five of those stars. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Behind the Rose.